I'm Dash, father of two adopted daughters and two biological sons between the ages of 2 and 13. And I'm Swai. I'm a year and a half into parenting this week, and it is way harder than I thought it would be. You are now tuned into the sounds of Imperfect Dads, a parenting podcast. We're hanging out in this little corner of the internet to create a community that has empathy for and camaraderie with other imperfect parents. A place where we can learn from other people how to be better parents. And sometimes, occasionally figure out how to be cooler parents. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a rating. You can also find us on Stitcher or Google Podcasts. Big ups to the people who have already done so. We see you grinding. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, where we'll share items that we have found that make us feel better about ourselves as parents because we're totally nailing everything perfectly. Thanks for listening to episode six, where we talk to Chef Tom Jackson from All Things Barbecue in Wichita, Kansas. He's here to get us in prime form for grilling season. Now let's make like a barbecue joint and give these people the juicy goodness they crave. Swai, it is going to be my pleasure to talk to you today. I can already tell. I don't know, man. I think you're selling yourself short. It is fully and completely my pleasure. Oh, wow. So it's an all or nothing proposition. It's a zero sum game. It has yeah. to be one or the other of us. That would make a bad Venn diagram, but I guess <laughs> you just got to go with what, what got you here. Hey, I don't know what to tell you. In what other ways have you been imperfect this week? Oh man. So many ways. One of the issues that we've had in our house is we went to a parenting conference last weekend and I saw you tweeting all about it. Yeah, all about that. It was on our uh, Imperfect Dads Twitter feed. The good thing about this particular parenting conference was it gave us a lot of tools in our toolkit. It was called the Empowered to Connect Conference, and it is a parenting strategy and really a relational strategy for anyone who has kids with tough places in their lives, kids with trauma backgrounds. So for us as adoptive parents, that's how we fall into that world, but it can also be good for teachers, uh, social workers, people who work with youth in almost any capacity. And while we were glad to have the new tools, you sit there for a couple of days and keep thinking to yourself, or at least I kept thinking to myself, I've really been messing up. Hmm. which isn't that's heavy to live with. Yeah. It's not the greatest feeling in the world. Cause like you can't rewind and go back and do all of these things in a better way. It's not like, um, going online and reading the strategy guide to a video game. And then you're like, Oh, well I'll just start over and do it this way. Uh, yeah, the next time. Button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we've already been doing it for a while. So I think for me, um, sitting, in my imperfection as a parent and to know that it's good to like get the new information. And now I have an opportunity to practice these new things that I've learned, but it's not all going to like fall into place in one day or even one week. Like it's going to be a journey. For sure. It's hard to also take into account that the other person you know, your child who hasn't been to this conference and doesn't know (laughs) what you're doing. Uh, there's always that, uh, variable that you have to take into account too. Yeah. Our kids, they did ask us like, you know, where we were and we were honest with them. Like I 
told him like, well, we're going to a conference so that we can be better parents because we love you guys. And I think that helps. And some of the things that we instituted are actually very like kid friendly, um, parenting strategies. So Mm. that helps too. When you told them to, that you were going to be gone to be better parents, did they all in unison scream, no, dad, you're the perfect parent already. I don't understand why you would need <laughs> a class on this. Not in unison. <laughs> that was more. It was, it was staggered. They yeah, said staggered. it in rounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I will say uh, we didn't get that response, but on the flip side, we also didn't get like, thank God. It's about time. <laughs> yeah. You should have taken this class years ago, Dad. <laughs> years ago. Well, my wife and I aren't the only imperfect parents. Did you have any imperfect parenting revelations or moments? Man, I tried to do too much uh, this week. I got up early with the kid on Saturday morning and was, uh, you know, dealing dealing with that, trying to let my wife sleep in. She had had a long week, so I was... Up at six with the kid, you know, hanging out, trying to keep him quiet, blah, blah, blah. And then about nine when I was like, okay, we need to eat breakfast here. I'm going to make like some pancakes, you know, have a have a fancy little breakfast here. And then, you know, maybe even take it to my wife and have breakfast in bed, you know. So me and my wife and the kid and probably the dog could all just, you know, have a relaxing breakfast. Eating pancakes in bed? Eating pancakes in mm, bed. Sounds relaxing. <laughs> it does sound relaxing. I It's the first time I've tried to do it since we had a child. And so uh, I think I, I just bit off more than I could chew. So the kid's like, you know, crawling in between my legs while I've got the griddle hot and I'm, you know, slinging pancake batter and the dog is over here barking and the baby's playing with the pots and pans underneath the counter and all of a sudden, I see this hand reach up. He was like in between me and the counter, and he was sitting down playing with some like Tupperware, you know, plates and stuff. And all of a sudden, I see this hand come up, and he just like straight up just grabs the edge of the griddle. Oh. Burned his fingers, has like, I mean, big old blisters on his fingertips, and he just started screaming. And so I've got like pancakes that are burning and i'm trying to comfort him and trying to like get the pacifier in his mouth and you know try to do all this in a somewhat quiet way so that it's not you know the first sounds that my wife hears when she wakes up in the morning (laughs) her baby screaming and you know the smoke alarm going off from burnt pancakes so i you know i just i did too much i was doing too much and just wasn't able to wasn't able to keep all those plates spinning, you know? Has he recovered from the injuries? Like, how how bad was it? Yeah, I mean, he's still got the blisters on his fingers. This is, I guess this is two days out, three days out. Um, so he's still got a little bit of the, the blister on his fingertips. But we slathered, you know, burn cream all over his hands and stuffed his hand in a couple of socks so he couldn't, like, wipe it off, you know? And so I don't, I don't know if that helped or I'm sure it did help. Uh, you know, it stopped him from screaming a little bit at least. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's just like, especially when it's something like that, that you, you see it happening in slow motion and you just like, no, (laughs) try to, (laughs) 
try to stop it and then it just like breaks your i know that we are not the only ones who have had situations like this in life so if you would like to share an experience where you felt like you were not a perfect parent feel free to email us imperfectdads at gmail.com or hashtag imperfectdads on twitter what have you been doing during nap time man well my dad's distraction has admittedly extended past nap time. <laughs> this is the most wonderful time of the year for me. It's the time where there are basketball tournaments happening on the television. We just wrapped up the NCAA basketball tournaments and both the men's tournament and the women's tournament had just the lovely, compelling final games. And then that has now ushered us into the NBA playoffs, which are a bit long, but um, still the love of my life because I grew up as an NBA fan and I'm excited to be in this place and soaking in as much basketball as I can possibly soak in. Mm. Yeah, really living the dream there. Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, it's about the right now always with sports, but like my relationship with my dad is wrapped up in a lot of it. He had season tickets to the Portland Trailblazers when I was growing up. So we spent a lot of time going to those games. He worked in high schools when I was growing up. We spent a lot of time in high school gyms together. And that was the one sport I played, which meant that um, a lot of the conversations that I had when my dad was teaching me sports ball type stuff was around basketball. And I learned uh, last summer when my seventh graders started doing the summer basketball thing that I just love being in the gym. It doesn't really matter what age is playing mm. something about the smell and the sounds and just like listening to other people get coached. I just love it. So this is a, this is a fun time of year to, to do some of that stuff. Yeah. I, I think fondly when I hear the, like the squeaking of the basketball shoes on the, on the, on the court, that is a good sound. Sometimes in middle school basketball, it's not so much the swish of the net, but just the ball kind of careening off of other hard surfaces. <laughs> Hitting the elevated. padding on the wall. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's still, uh, it's still a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, man? What have you been up to? You know, I've been meeting with a few of my mentors to kind of figure out what I want to do with my life. How best to channel my passions into the discourse uh, I have been off Facebook for a few months and that's probably a really healthy move for me because it was taking a lot of my time and energy and emotional capacity. Uh, so I'm just kind of trying to re, uh, I don't want to say this. I, I need to reorient my compass a little bit and figure out what the most productive and positive way to engage the world is for me. This is a good time to do that. Like now that your son is one, I mean, it takes a little bit to figure out what is parenting going to look like, at least for a season. So yeah, this and is you a know, good time for discernment. He's, he's getting old enough that like, so he's 18 months this week. And so we are like, you know, walking and, you know, he's functioning a little bit more independently. Uh, 
so you know it's just given me like a little bit more capacity to kind of re-enter the world a little bit and you know I just I just kind of have been meeting with some folks that have really poured into my life and kind of getting their takes and and seeing both how I could best use my talents with the capacity that I currently have and uh you know kind of figure out which arenas um my my passion burns most brightly in so when this whole process wraps up will you be making a major announcement on facebook or will it be on some other platform for those of us following along at home i will probably i don't don't know if i'll even first of all i'm not even sure what sort of you know future outcome I'm I'm not necessarily going for a future outcome. I'm not looking for people to make a decision for me. Uh it's just kind of a you know kind of figuring out where my discerning community sees me fitting into the struggle the best. Our guest this episode is Tom Jackson. He's the staff chef at All Things Barbecue, where he develops cooking classes and private events. He started as a bread baker and pastry chef at Ken's Artisan Bakery in Portland, Oregon, following his graduation from the Oregon Culinary Institute. While a lot of the podcasts, classes, and videos he produces focus on cooking meat, Chef Tom isn't afraid to show his range when sharing his cooking tips and expertise. Chef Tom, thanks for taking some time to hang out with us today. Yeah, what's up, guys? Not much. Um, you are the only person I know who is a chef. And I think a lot of us feel like we can cook well in the kitchen or at least cook decently. But what does it look like to go to culinary school? Uh, yeah, well, I can tell you like one of the things I learned in culinary school is that you're only a chef because someone pays you to have the title of chef. (laughs) So for what it's worth, you guys can be chefs too. I just have to write you a paycheck, you know? So it's Um, not a terminal degree per se. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll have a degree from culinary school when you finish, but, um, it's not necessarily an automatic thing because there's a lot of guys that go to guys and women that go to culinary school and start washing dishes when they get out, you know? So just to be clear, my wife, uh, being the breadwinner and paying for the groceries that I buy every week, uh, when I cook them, that, that technically makes me a chef then, right? Yeah. You are definitely her personal chef. (laughs) (laughs) You should get a name tag. I've already got business cards. Yeah. Get you a chef coat and stitch your name on it. No, culinary school was really cool, man. Uh, I was signed up to go to one of the big name culinary schools that I won't say, but uh, went out there for a visit out to Portland, Oregon, and a guy that I'd met completely randomly in a hotel bar somewhere else said, you got to go check out this other place. And I went and checked out Oregon Culinary Institute, and it was like this fantastic like punk rock family of culinary chefs, uh, culinary chef instructors. Um, and they were so cool. And I just had such a great time there and it was a a fantastic experience. Uh, you learned some, some discipline and a lot of knife skills and 
just kind of the basics to set you off into the culinary world. And you stay out in Portland after that, and you end up working at a pretty sweet gig, which is Ken's Artisan Bakery in Northwest Portland. Um, the the owner there, like, you know, he's a James Beard award-winning chef, so he's a really big deal. You were doing, like, pastry and baking at that time. What did that experience teach you that now helps you out in kind of the, the meat outdoor cooking industry? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it kind of taught me that um, I could probably learn whatever side of the craft I wanted to. I went into culinary school thinking I wanted to be a bread baker, but I worked at an Indian restaurant in the meantime while I was going through school and I, I cooked pizzas at a pizza restaurant. And then I got my foot in the door at Ken's as a barista. Um, which I had also done in my past. And I found that for anyone that's willing to try hard and just to work at something um, with a basic set of skills, you're pretty well equipped to succeed as long as you keep at it. Um, and so that was kind of the same story when I got to Kansas, um, or back to Kansas, I should say. I was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. Um, and when I got back here, I started from square one when it came to barbecue. I really didn't have any exceptional knowledge on the subject and culinary school didn't really prepare me for barbecue either. That's not something that we touch on, but when it came to knowing some fundamentals and stuff and then comparing or rather, I guess, pairing that up with some experience from some really like really good barbecue cooks some pit masters it all just kind of came together so tom you have a kid now uh i was wondering what uh what it looked like to uh, bring your kid into the kitchen uh how, how old is your kid uh well i have two kids my son is yeah my son's seven and my daughter is one and a half uh and they've both kind of shown interest but uh Neither one of them are like cooking me meals yet. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Um, uh, how, how did you get them to eat their vegetables? I don't, I still haven't figured that out. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you put it in one of those puree pouches with apples and bananas and stuff too. <laughs> oh, see, it's interesting that you say that because I just read an article the other day about how parents often do that. They you know blend fruits and vegetables to like yeah. mask the taste, you know, and that's yeah. what we've done too. I mean, our our son is uh, like 18 months old, so he's mm. uh, definitely gotten into the like picky eater phase. Yeah. Um, but this article that I was reading says that that actually like it inhibits their ability to develop a palate for vegetables uh, to where that like it, it permanently <laughs> scars their ability to ever appreciate vegetables. Yeah. I, I mean, I, sure, maybe, <laughs> uh, it, se <laughs> it seems like there's an article for any argument that you want to make, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, cause I definitely heard one that was like almost the opposite of that. That was like, ease your kids into eating vegetables by first starting with, you know, blending it into stuff. And, uh, but you know, as an adult, you look back on it and you're like, yeah, I just didn't like that stuff when I was younger. And now I love asparagus, you know? <laughs> that's mine exactly as a matter of fact yeah so this relationship that you have with food is different 
from um, a lot of us who haven't worked in the food service industry before. At home, do you do a lot of the cooking? Does your wife do a lot of the cooking? Are you excited to show off for your family? Are you <laughs> tired of cooking by the end of the day? Do you just bring home the stuff that you've been cooking all day at work? Um, kind of what's the what's the rhythm of cooking like at your house? Yeah, I think all of those things happen at our home. Uh, my wife's not much of a cook. She does far more important, important things for our family, <laughs> um, things that I'm not nearly as well equipped to do. Um, but the cooking is usually left up to me and sometimes I come home and I don't want to do it. And sometimes I'm like just stoked to keep cooking. But for the most part, especially when there's like extended family and friends involved, like that's kind of my way to, to love on people is to be able to cook for them. And, and I, I really do enjoy uh, cooking for people and that's why I, I got into this in the first place. Um, but as far as like a routine goes, like anyone else, it's just about kind of setting a schedule for the week and saying, this is what we're doing and, you know, meal planning and that kind of stuff. And that's how things get done. What is your setup like at home in regard to sort of what your kitchen is like and, and your outdoor cooking, would you say it's a kind of average or do you like to really have nice stuff at home when you're cooking since you have such nice stuff at work? Yeah, it's really modest compared to what I'm used to at work. Um, but I think I've probably figured out like the things that are important to me to have on hand. Uh, and like cast iron skillets, I cook in cast iron all the time, even on our, like our glass top, uh, <laughs> stove, um, which you, I, I don't know if you're not supposed to do that or something, but it works. Um, I don't know as far as tools go. I have, you know, I have the Yoder Smokers pellet grill at home and I cook on that. Like I would say f at least 50% of our dinners come off of the grill at home. And most of the time it's really basic stuff. Like we grill chicken breast probably most of the time. <laughs> it's kind of boring, but, uh, you know, it's, it's good stuff to eat and you, it's pretty versatile. Um, so it's not like exciting or glamorous, but, um, you know, we're just living like everyone else when it comes to eating at home, I think. But you're probably not drying out your chicken breasts. Like most people as <laughs> you guilty kind of, yeah, it, I mean, but it's, you know, cooking is tough. And I think especially, Depending on where you live, it can be difficult to cook outdoors year-round. For yeah. people who might be listening who this is the time of year where they're getting ready to start cooking outdoors again, um, what is one simple tip that most people could utilize that they aren't already utilizing to kind of kick their outdoor cooking game up a notch? Sure. I, uh, this is an easy one for me. I think, cause I tell this to people all the time. If there's like one tool that could enhance your cooking, uh, more than anything, it's an instant read thermometer and then getting to know, um, the finishing internal temperatures of whatever piece of meat you're cooking, because you guys are right. Like it's really easy to dry out a chicken breast. Um, but it turns out that like you, you don't have to do much to a chicken breast at all to prepare it just a little bit of seasoning and if you cook it to the proper internal temperature it's juicy every time 
Um, and that goes for pork chops as well, which a lot of people shy away from because they're used to eating like dry, mealy pork chops and it's no good. So that would be what I would recommend is, um, you know, get in, get a decent instant read thermometer, um, and, and then get on Google and find out what, you know, what internal temperature you're supposed to cook your meat to. And it is worth noting for people that you do give away a lot of information for free. If folks head over to atbbq.com, Chef Tom and uh, some of the folks that he work with, they have all kinds of content over there. They have a podcast. They have tons of videos. Um, you can even, if you want to figure out how to like sign up and, and go do cooking classes or, or visit with them. And so if you're looking for somewhere to go just to, to get really great information, I would suggest that you are getting ready to cook or sorry, you are getting ready to teach a fantastic class. I would have to think this might be almost a dream job class. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going to an event in Australia called meat stock and you get to teach a class there. What are you, what are you teaching down under? Yeah, they, they really just left that up to me. Like what, if you had to fill, you know, I don't know how many hours it's going to be four, six, eight hours. Uh, what would you want to teach? And you know what we eat the most of at home is Mexican or Mexican-American food, um, tacos and, you know, carnitas and al pastor and barbacoa and all of, like that's, I love that food. So I've, I don't, I don't know how true this is because I've never been to Australia, but from the few people that I've asked, maybe they don't have as much exposure to that as we do, especially, you know, down here in, in Kansas and, and even further in the Southwest, um, further South and further West towards Mexico. Um, so I'm going to go in there and I'm going to, I'm going to tell them what I know about Mexican barbecue. Uh, and it's certainly not like I'm no authority on authentic Mexican barbecue, but I know what I like to cook and I know what I like to eat. And then we're going to kind of compare and contrast that with Kansas City style barbecue because that's our wheelhouse here. You know, we're going to do barbecue burn-ins. We're going to do some barbecue chicken. I mean, just the things that you associate with Kansas City barbecue. Is this going to be like a professional wrestling situation where there's a lot of scripted conflict and a predetermined <laughs> winner, or are you going to let things play out a little more naturally? <laughs> I'm definitely going to have one of those Mexican wrestler masks on while I teach. Oh, yeah. Luch yeah. Luchador? Yeah, luchador lucha mask, I'm going to yeah. luchador it up. Yeah. In my experience talking to people that have worked in food service or have gone to culinary school and stuff, uh, they really describe a love for food itself, but also what food does for a community or for a family. Uh, what's your story? Like, how did you get into, you know, loving food? Uh, man, that's, that's a great question. And it's a good, it's a really good story too. So, uh, I was a couple years into college, um, when some friends of mine asked me if I wanted to drop out of college and join their rock and roll band. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's go on tour. There's a and, lot of movies that start out that way too. Right. And uh, God bless my parents. They were cool. 
Um, and that was important to me that they were cool with it. Um, but I got to have a really fun experience where we toured all over North America for a while. And in that time, we wound up living in Grand Rapids, Michigan for a while in this like hundred year old house. It was big and like had cracks in it everywhere. And I don't know if you guys know this about Michigan, but it gets really, really cold in the winter. <laughs> so we would end up off tour stuck at home for a couple months and the house was cold and it was myself and my wife and four other dudes. Um, God bless my wife for <laughs> living in a house with five dudes. Yeah, um, house mom. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I decided I was going to, like, it was so cold in there that we would like, we would blanket off doorways and heat specific rooms with space heaters. And so we did this to the kitchen and I fired up the oven and started like baking pizzas and loaves of bread and stuff to like feed us, obviously like five hungry dudes in our twenties, but also like warm the house. And it just became this great like fellowship time for us where we, you know, we all connected and we ate and it was warm. I mean, literally and figuratively. And yeah. I just got so much joy out of that. Um, so when the band, uh, eventually decided to kind of call it quits i had to figure out what to do with my life and i decided maybe call i know that your dad has shared some of his passions with you like hunting and fishing and those are things that you guys do together you've started handing down some of your passions to your kids like soccer and specifically uh the portland timbers football club um rose city till i die Yes, Rosie, Rosie, till I die. <laughs> what did your dad kind of teach you about how to expose your kids to your passions without being overbearing about it? Uh, I feel like with my dad, I you know, like as a kid, I just remember that we did things. I don't know that I remember. Like, well, for example, my dad asked me if I wanted to play t-ball when I was a kid, and I said no, because I was just super shy. And he signed me up anyway, and I did it. And I <laughs> ended up playing baseball longer than any other sport. And, I like, I'm so glad that he did that for me. So I think that there's definitely a balance of, like, understanding your kid. Like, you've got you've to understand your kid to some extent. Um, they may not think they're ready for something when they are. Um, but as far as just, like, time with him... And my mom and my brother, um, you know, we grew up going fishing a lot. And at the time, I think, especially being in like middle school and high school, I maybe didn't think it was cool all the time. Um, but I, that time is like invaluable. Like, I'm so glad that we have that. And as I think about it now, I'm just like, that I had nothing but fond memories of spending time together. So I guess I'm not, I'm not just saying like, make your kid do whatever <laughs> you want them to do. But because I, I understand with my, my, my son, uh, he's gone back and forth on a few sports and I, I always ask him what he's interested in. Um, but at some point it's great to like help him take a chance, you know, on something that he could really enjoy being a part of. Um, and then in some instances I can just see the things that bring him joy. Like my son loves to go fishing. Uh, and he loves to do that with his papa now, uh, my dad. Um, so it's really cool that's kind of spanned generations, not just a single generation now, but several. Uh, and 
we, you know, we have a connection because of that. And in in that same way, uh, soccer has become such a big passion of mine um, since I uh, discovered the Portland Timbers. And so I, like my son, who's not a one for big crowds or loud noises, I've taken him to Timbers matches since he was young. And it's something that he can get excited about with me. And he knows, like, when he sees it on a, a calendar or something like that now at seven years old, he's like, he gets stoked about a Timbers match coming up. And, like, when you said, I mean, you're talking about, like, taking him to Kansas City, like, for the road trip, right? Yeah, yes. Kansas City we do. Um, we'll do that again this year. Um, but even as a two-year-old, he was he he had been to the stadium to watch the Timbers out in Portland, Oregon. Nice. My son was born in Kansas City, and so he kind of views MLS soccer as a bit of a rivalry where um, he is a, a Kansas City fan because he was born there, and yeah. I'm the Timbers fan. So I just make <laughs> sure that he has to go to bed before the games come on if I don't have a great <laughs> feeling about how the Timbers are going to do. Oh, it's always scary when the Timbers play at Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. But the good thing about going to Kansas City is there are amazing things to eat there. If you could only have one barbecue dish in Kansas City, which one would it be? Ooh. That's rough. Um I'm I don't claim to be the most experienced Kansas City barbecue eater. Uh because I'm not. So <laughs> I can tell you from my past experiences, one of the, man, I had two really great dishes at Q39. Uh, of all things, they're chicken wings with that cilantro sauce that they make. Man, mm. so good. But their burn-ins were fantastic as well. Have you met the guy that started Q39? I have not. He's a friend of a friend, though. Gotcha. Yeah, he's a cool dude. He uh, uh, was he started as a chef, I believe, and then got on like the competition barbecue circuit, right? And then started a restaurant. So, um, yeah, he's kind of been like the full circle, the entire gamut of right, touching all the different yeah, uh, that's really cool aspects. I went there the first time I went there was when it had just opened. Um, and I went there for lunch. And so he was uh, super eager to like come out and meet everybody. And uh, he like came out and was just like chatting me up and really wanted to, to know just what people thought about the food. And now the place is packed and it's oh, really yeah. hard to get a seat. So I'm sure he's just like buried in other stuff. But uh, he was a fun dude to talk to. Speaking of full circle, I, my latest experience there at Q39 was actually with a group of Sporting KC supporters. We went there after a Timbers SKC match. And uh, Sporting fans are rad. I mean, they're just so cool. I've been to a few different uh, away games for the Portland Timbers, and uh, Sporting fans are my favorite. So they were really cool. We ate and drank and had great fellowship with them as well. Yeah, they have good security guards there too. One time I <laughs> was there, and I was there for a... a u.s national team match but um we asked the security guard that was kind of near us 
um, who his least favorite fans were, and he said Sounders fans. So yeah, uh, we just have like that sorry, eternal sorry, not, bond sorry. together. Yeah. It's, it's what great. What about you? Okay, so um, Christian, you're in. You're in. Uh, well. You're not in Kansas City, but you've lived in Kansas City now. I have. So tell me, what what is your spot? What do you like? So I have a rather long treatise about all of this, but the short version is (laughs) people will ask me, like, what's my favorite restaurant? And the only thing that I can tell them would be uh, specific dishes to get at a handful of restaurants. So if I could do just one thing... Um, and it's one thing that you just don't see uh, at many restaurants. It's the crown beef rib from Jack Stack. So it's essentially um, kind of a bone-in prime rib type deal Yeah. that then they smoke. And it's one of the only places I've seen it. And it has since become my favorite thing to smoke. Like that's my special occasion deal. So That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I suggest to people. But it's also, like, that's kind of bougie, expensive barbecue. And so um, my other thing I suggest to people is to go to Joe's Kansas City. They have a sandwich there called the Z-Man, which is brisket on a bun with provolone cheese and an onion ring and sauce. But I tell people to go secret menu and get the pulled pork Z-Man on Texas toast. So you can try that out, and it's really incredible. My mouth's watering. Yeah. <laughs> no, could, I'm, uh, I'm super hungry right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could do a class on it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is a little bit tricky is trying to figure out what kind of grill to buy um, because the price points are tricky and the the – features like it's tough to figure out what people need so if someone was trying to get into to grilling without spending hundreds of dollars um what would be a good option for them regarding like equipment you know it's a great grill to learn on is the weber kettle because it's really probably more versatile than people realize and it's like it's like an icon of barbecue, right? I mean, or at least grilling. Um, you can totally smoke meats on a, a Weber kettle. Um, and it teaches you a lot about controlling temperature and airflow and your fire and your smoke. Um, it's a limited amount of space, which is restrictive. Um, but that was what I was cooking on when I took my job at All Things Barbecue. I had a Weber kettle and I started trying to figure out how do you cook direct and how do you cook indirect and how would you create smoke without creating too much char or uh, overcooking something on the outside without getting it finished on the inside. So um, I think when you can master something like that, it really sets you up for success in the future. Yeah. And that's um, one thing about the Weber kettle too is, that's one where it really pays to get the brand name. Um, but you also won't pay that much more for the brand name than you right. will for a not name. Like I was like driving by a hardware store the other day and they had a different brand that is just like inferior and it was only $10, I think less than the Weber kettle. 
And I was just like, that's such a bad deal. Nobody buy that. But right. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't trying to. I, so I have to ask Ben, do you get into grilling or smoking or anything very much? Uh, I am uh, entry level, so this uh, yeah. this this level of tip is really good for me. Okay, because I I mean uh, I don't know how much you've talked about it. I've listened to a couple episodes of Imperfect Dads, but for the listeners who don't know, Christian's like pretty awesome when it comes to cooking and grilling and smoking and stuff. So any advice he has, you probably should listen to. But I wasn't sure about Ben. I don't know if, if you were getting it. You probably pick up some stuff from Christian as well. What he picks up is food. <laughs> yeah, anytime I'm in town, I'll definitely pick up whatever he's serving. <laughs> ben, are you in the Chicago area? Yeah, yeah. And are, do you have any good barbecue joints up there? You know, there's a couple, but... Uh, so every time I see, you know, like ribs or something on a menu... I always get my hopes up because I lived in Kansas City for a while too and, and grew up in Kansas and had lived there for most of my life. So, uh, you know, like I always see it and I always, you know, my mouth waters imagining that it's like, you know, some hole in the wall joint. Like, uh, you know, I, I kind of imagine barbecue as uh, like the experience in um, House of Cards where he goes to just like this hole in the wall and gets a rack mm-hmm. of ribs, yeah. you know, twice a day or, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like that's, I want that so badly, but every time I've gotten ribs here and I always ask him to like, you know, Hey, is, are, you know, are these, are these smoked? Did you, <laughs> did you did boil you them? Boil them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's uh it's, it's real hit or miss, but, uh, to be honest, um, you know, Chicago does a lot of different foods really well, but I haven't been very impressed Barbecues. with the barbecue scene at He's all. He's not one of them. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I um, One of my best friends in the world lives up there in the Chicago area. Shout out to mm-hmm. Ryan Beebe. Uh, <laughs> and he couldn't find a good barbecue restaurant to take us to either. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot. So Chicago, holler at us if you got a... Sp- can you remember the last thing that you tried to cook that just didn't work out? Oh man, it's happened recently. What was it? Um, biscuits, man. I did like ten batches of biscuits before I got them right. Ten, which is wild because I'm supposed to be a baker. But what? Did, okay, but what does not right mean? Like it just wasn't. You didn't want to serve them to other people, or like I wasn't, the first yeah, one was like, bad. So what, another thing I learned in culinary school from one of my uh, uh, culinary instructors was if you wouldn't serve it to your mom, then you shouldn't serve it to your customers. Oh, true that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, I just wasn't proud of them. Like uh, flavor would be off or like it didn't have the right like pop. It didn't have the right height. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, baking's tricky. So maybe that's a cop-out answer because it's hard to figure out baking anyway. So what are your, you know, we've talked about your favorite barbecue dishes and stuff, but what are the perfect side dishes? Like, what are your favorite side dishes? I guess, like, most people, I'm a sucker for fried stuff. So, like, fried pickles or onion rings, like, that kind of stuff's really good. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I'm just talking about, like, an everyday side dish, like, we eat a lot of just, like, rice and beans and that kind of stuff, which isn't very exciting. But delicious. Yeah. 
What's the next thing you want to learn how to cook? I got to do a whole hog, man. It's been on my mm. list for a long time. Um, I've been a part of a couple whole hog cooks, uh, but I have never like been the guy who's doing the whole hog. So I got to figure that out. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's the greatest way to cook a pig in general. So I haven't like made it a priority, but it's something that I want to do. <laughs> Christian, People do you always have any ask advice me, for like, him? Yeah, don't do a 200 pound hog oh yeah <laughs> um i want to get a little one that'll fit on like a yoder or something yeah don't yeah. try to feed 400 people with it your first try <laughs> yeah we we did that once um but the other thing is that that the idea of doing it on a smoker is a good idea because i have been expressly forbidden on any number of occasions <laughs> from uh cooking an entire animal in the ground of our yard. So <laughs> um, if you ever do the whole hog thing, I'll come be your sous chef and I'll come, I'll come play with you. Right on, man. I've watched the guys that do it out like in the Carolinas where they've got, you know, like splayed out and sandwiched between a couple of pieces of chicken wire and they're flipping it over, over a charcoal fire and stuff. Uh, and it's all really cool. I, I just I haven't had that experience yet, so I'd like to give that a try. Yeah, Rodney Scott, um, he just won a James Beard Award, and he's like really come on the scene in a big way in South Carolina, and he does the whole hog thing, and I've heard it's excellent. And I saw a dude recently. He I think he's like a college professor, um, a scientist, and he figured out a way to rig up a rotisserie to do uh to smoke an entire cow at once and uh it was it was pretty radical i'm gonna see if i can dig that up and find it and we can uh post it on our facebook and twitter stuff (laughs) because it looked it looked more delicious than it sounds it sounds insane yeah (laughs) um (laughs) so a couple more things uh for the people to help people out say they're not meat people but they still want to do some outdoor cooking. What are some good vegetarian options for people who want to, to grill their food? Man, I love grilled veggies. Like that's, that's one of my favorite things, especially like summer squash, peppers, onions. When you just do like that medley of stuff, you get a little bit of char on it with like, a steak rub or something on it, something that's a little bit savory. Got that like salt, pepper, garlic, onion thing going on. Um, that that stuff just chopped up in like a bed of rice is as good as a steak to me. I love eating that stuff at home too. So uh, yeah, I mean y- your basic stuff, high heat grilling. You know, um, the veggies I mentioned before. I'm trying to think of what else. Like asparagus, I love to put in like kind of a a lemony buttery marinade and then just let some of that stuff drip off over like charcoal and char up the asparagus. That's another one of my favorites. I'm really stoked about this new cookbook that's coming out. Um, I forget the woman's name. It's Genevieve something. Her Instagram handles like Genevieve eats, I think. Um, and she's got a new cookbook coming out called charred and it's all about vegetarian grilling and it looks really cool. So I'm stoked for that to come out so I can get my hands on it. 
That does sound great. I've kind of sworn off cookbooks because it seems like there aren't a lot of ones with like really new ideas coming out, but that one is one that we may have to invest in for our house because especially in the summer, we kind of like to, if we can, do our whole meal outside and not worry about turning on heating elements in the house. Yeah, for sure. We did the same thing. Uh, we did it with like a private dinner we did last night. We cooked um, all of our potatoes. We did like roasted, herb roasted potatoes, and it wouldn't matter if it was in an oven or even even in the grill or something, uh, because it's covered. You know, it's covered in foil, and you're just roasting stuff uh, until it's cooked. But we definitely use our grill just like we do our oven, or even like we do our stovetop. Um, it can all it can all be done outside and I'm, I'm excited that we're getting to that time of year where everyone's open to that. Not just us nuts that like to grill and smoke in the dead of winter as well. (laughs) One last question. What is a place or two that's on your bucket list for like food touristing somewhere that you want to go mostly so you can eat? Man, that one's tough because uh, there's so many places that would be great. Um, my, I think my answer for this one's maybe not exactly what you're you're thinking of, but um, I'm really into this idea of going like harvesting our own food, um, mm. and uh, so I'm thinking of like we're thinking of doing a trip to the Pacific Northwest where we could, um, go fish the salmon run and harvest our own salmon and then go ahead and prepare it ourselves, uh, on the Yoders. Um, it's just in the idea phase now, but that's something that we've talked about doing for a while is getting out either in the mountains or on the water and kind of trying to harvest our own food and, uh, make a meal ourselves. So that that's probably not a fair answer for what you're asking, but um, like I referenced earlier, I think I would love to go eat in Mexico, you know, just to kind of get a feel for the more authentic uh, Mexican food. Well, thanks, man. We really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. You are at a number of different places. Um, online for sure where can people find the work that you're doing on the internet yeah so everything uh recipe wise that we do goes up at uh, atbbq.com slash the sauce the sauce is our food blog Um, you can find us on youtube at all things bbq Um, and then just personally uh instagram chef tom jackson And then if anybody is in the Wichita, Kansas area, you can find Chef Tom at the All Things Barbecue Store in the Delano District. They have all kinds of um, outdoor gear from like patio furniture, grills, smokers, all kinds of accessories. And you can tour both the indoor and outdoor kitchen there too if you ask really nice where uh, Chef Tom does a lot of his cooking and where he uh, records a lot of the things that you see on YouTube. So you should definitely stop by and see him there. And if you want to, go to Meatstock in Australia 
and take his class on Kansas City versus <laughs> Mexican barbecue fight to the death. <laughs> yeah, you guys want to come to Australia? Um, I definitely do. Yeah. Can we, yeah, uh, yeah. Can we get those tickets comped from our Patreon <laughs> feed? Yes. <laughs> cool, Tom. Well, have a great spring. Have a great trip. And uh, we'll look forward to checking out the Instagram and seeing how that goes. Thanks so much. I appreciate you guys. Go Timbers. Go Timbers. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. So, Swy, what did we learn today? Well, first of all, I learned that you can apparently find an article for everything you uh, want to believe. Uh, but I think more importantly, I think... Uh, I learned that the stories behind people's passions always bring a smile to my face. It was really cool hearing about how he kind of fell in love with cooking while he was touring with his band and, and, and that whole story. I, I just warms my insides. And I learned that there's a lot more crossover than I really knew when it comes to different aspects of cooking. And as Chef Tom went from pastry cooking and, and baking to meat, it kind of makes me wonder if I might not be shortchanging myself in uh, the baking arena. You know, you'll never know until you try. Being a new independent podcast is tough in that you need to have a certain level of engagement to get more attention from search engines and apps. If you like what you hear, you could help us tremendously by going to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts and giving us a rating. Seriously, it really helps. Rating us on Uber does not help, but if you decide to try, please give us five stars for cleanliness and good music selection. Imperfect Dads was created by Ben Swihart and Christian Dashiel. We also wrote, produced, and edited this episode. We did everything except for the music. Big ups to the Passion Hi-Fi and all of the music on this episode. Check out thepassionhifi.com to hear the selection of beats and instrumentals he has available for free and for sale. Thanks for listening. And thanks for the memories. Catch you on the flip. Take away the gold, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The better. Just take away the gold. Question. What's the difference between roast beef and pea soup? Um, pea soup is sewage. Anybody can roast beef. <laughs> I got that one. <laughs>